0: Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to New Hope. This morning, we are in Exodus chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and take them out to Exodus chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, if you don't own one, um, we do have some at our front desk. We would love for you to just take one. They're free on your way out the door today, but we encourage you to bring your Bibles on Sunday mornings. Have you ever been in a situation where at the 11th hour... Or at the last minute, you needed somebody or something to come to your rescue. Back in 2014, I was studying abroad in Italy. We went to uh, Malta for spring break, which is a small little island in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Now, when we scheduled that trip, we thought, We're in the middle of the Mediterranean, we're south of Italy, we're almost to Africa, it's going to be so warm. Now, it was March, and it wasn't warm at all. We showed up, our plane landed in our t-shirts and our shorts, and it was 45 degrees with 30 mile an hour winds. So it's a little bit of a bummer, but we're hiking all around this tiny little island. And we decide we're going to go to not just the small island, but there's one just north of that called Gozo. You got to take a ferry there, which is pretty cool. There's only one little small town with two restaurants and one hotel. It's so deserted. It's going to be the best place. We can go hiking. We can find all this cool stuff. And so we get onto this island and the guy made sure when he dropped us off at our stop to go hiking, he said, hey, this bus comes back at seven. It's your last bus to get back into town. Don't be late. like, pfft. We got it. We're we're 21 years old, right? We got this. So we hike all around this this island, and we're so excited, seeing all this cool stuff that we looked up before we got there. We're seeing all the stuff that we wanted to see, and all of a sudden, we realize it's 6.50 we got to get back to the, to the bus. So we just hightail it up the mountain, but we are so far behind schedule and we realize we're not going to make it. And literally, like I'm not dramatizing this for the sake of the story. We could see the bus pull away as we got there. And it was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> this is bad. So it's seven o'clock, the sun is starting to set. And like I said, it's already cold even with the sun out, but it's going to get colder. And we have no food. We have small sweatshirts that we had packed, and we're wearing them. We're already cold, so we start walking a little bit. We're about 15 miles outside of that small little town, so we start walking. We're going down the winding roads, and we see this little building. And we're like, "Is that a restaurant?" Right? They told us they only had one small town here, but is there something here? We get all the way to it. It's, sure enough, it's a restaurant. But like I said, it's March, closed for the season. Perfect, right? So. And we don't have the conscious to to break a window and get in and maybe get some food or some warmth. So we start walking again. And all of a sudden, we had another moment of salvation. We thought, we saw the top of a truck that looked like a U-Haul truck coming around this curvy road. And we thought, somebody's here. Turns out it's a delivery driver for this restaurant. All winter long, he brings wine. He stocks the restaurant. So when it's summer, they're full of wine. Now our first instinct in this moment was, we need to stop him, he needs to give us a ride home. And that's exactly what we did. We got in, his name was Rondo, he picks us up, and the first question that he asks us was, what are you guys doing out here? Now, in our minds, it never crossed our mind. This guy could, like, ax us, right? Like, who in the world is this guy? It never even crossed our minds. Don't hitchhike, it could be dangerous, but we're like, well, we're cold and we're hungry and we could die out here, right? So we jump in, he's like, what are you guys doing out here? We're like, we missed our bus, <laughs> right? It's the one bus. And it, but it was in that moment where we're thinking, man, Rondo, in that moment, that's the guy's name, he was our ticket home. He was our freedom. And if you've ever had a moment where you've been so stuck in life, you've been in this moment where you have no idea where to go, you don't know how you're going to get out of a certain situation, but then somebody shows up or the answer presents itself at the last minute. If you've been through that situation, you know exactly how the Israelites are feeling in their moment starting in Exodus chapter 2. Now, My story of being stuck in Malta is much different than the Israelites being in literal slavery. I'm not going to compare those two situations. They are going through some dire situations. Life is incredibly difficult. But that's where I want to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 2. Here's what it says. It says, The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. I'm a pastor, but I don't know how to pronounce these words. Uh, She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to, Pharaoh, to, to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And so the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse, nurse him for me. And I will give you your wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, because she said, I drew him out of the water. This is the moment that the Israelites don't realize they need, but they desperately need. We know who Moses is because we've been studying the Bible for thousands of years. Moses is the one who's going to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. He is going to be their rondo, right? He is going to be the guy that is going to be their leader. And as soon as he is born, his mother looks at his face and she says, man, there's something different about Moses. Now, I find that interesting because I feel like every mother looks at their baby, right? and says, no matter how beautiful or let's be honest. Ugly? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No matter how beautiful, whatever it is, every mother looks at their baby and says, oh, my child. So I'm, I'm so curious what Moses looked like in this moment when he's born. There must have been something different about Moses that she pulls him away and shows, he's a fine child. So here's the reality about the situation that Moses is born into. And we have to understand the context behind this if we want to fully grasp why it's so important that Moses is born in this moment. So Egypt, as we ended Exodus 1, Egypt is the place of Israel's suffering and slavery. And it's not only the literal place of their suffering and their slavery. Egypt is becoming a metaphor for all of us. Every Bible reader who reads the Bible, when we read of Egypt, we have to immediately make the connection that when Egypt is stated, when Egypt is talked about, it means sin, slavery, and oppression. And Moses is going to be the one who leads the Israelites out of that. And at the end of my message, I'm so excited to to talk about who leads us out of ours. But it's so important to understand who Moses is and what's happening in this moment to fully grasp what this means for us today. Now, Moses' mom, she sees something different about him. And so she decides, I need to hide this child. And the reason behind that is because Pharaoh, evil and insecure Pharaoh, he made a law that anytime there was an Israelite boy born, they must be thrown into the Nile River. It's inhumane, zero regard for human life, but he's evil and he's insecure. But when Moses' mom sees that there's something different about Moses, she knows that she just can't follow that law, that she, she's gonna do what she thinks is right and she ends up placing him in the Nile River, yes, but she knows that there's something about Moses and if she is right, what she is gonna do is she's gonna put the situation into God's hands. Now, Moses' mom, she never broke the law. When, when Pharaoh says, hey, put your baby into the Nile River, she did that, right? She did what she was supposed to do, but she kind of skirted around it a little, bit, a little bit, right? She makes the basket, she waterproofs it, puts Moses in there, and sends him off. And this is such an important moment for us in the story. I mean, how many of us—I'm I'm, going to speak to the mothers, right? Because I've already talked about the mothers. When you look at your child, you just know your child is beautiful, it's yours— How many of you would be willing to put your child into the Nile River? I mean, put yourself in Moses' mom's shoes. I mean, if you were to ask my mom, I know what my mom would say How could she ever? Right? I don't care what kind of law there is, I am keeping my baby. That's how my mom would respond. I 100% know that. And I fully get that. I'm a parent. Man, I don't want anybody else looking after my kid, right? Because she's my kid. I know my kid. I know what's best for her. But it's in this moment that her mom, that his mom has such an incredible faith. Because what's the reality of what's going to happen if Moses is found in his parents' house? He's going to be killed, right? You can't keep a toddler quiet. You can't keep a baby quiet. I was just at Target a couple weeks ago with Izzy. It's her favorite place to go. We go look at the dolls every time. And they're the same dolls every time, but she loves to see them every time we go. And I'm just like, what in the world is he? It's the same thing. But we're, we're there, and it's so funny. Usually I'm embarrassed when my, when my wife makes a scene or when my daughter makes it. My wife, Maddie, is a goofball, so is my, my daughter. But my daughter is singing Let It Go from Frozen, just out loud at the top of her lungs. And I'm like... Izzy, we're at Target, and there's no song playing. She's just singing on her own. And I'm just like, kind of embarrassed, but like, good for you, Izzy. Just singing out, little girl. You can't keep a toddler quiet. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, in Hebrews chapter 11, 23, it says, By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born, because they saw he was no ordinary child. And they were not afraid of the king's law. So it's by faith that they hid him for three months, but the reality sets in of, we can't keep this guy hidden for very long. So she makes this basket. She puts him into the Nile River. And the key point in this is that it's in that moment where she realizes it's out of her hands and it has to be in God's hands. And I know that somebody needs this message this morning because you might be in Egypt today you might be struggling with some sort of sin in your life today or struggling with some sort of situation and you desperately need something to come to your saving grace at your 11th hour. And what I want to challenge us with today, church, is this. We need to let it go and put it in God's hands. Many of us, in in a lot of our testimonies, in the moments that we meet Jesus and we come into a relationship with him, I know for me, when, when I was making all my poor decisions. I was smoking a lot and drinking a lot back in high school, and I had this moment when I was high with my friends, and it was like my whole life was just falling apart, and I needed Jesus, and so I went down to my basement bedroom, and I, I cried out to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. I need you to save me. I'm not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I don't know what I'm, what I'm supposed to do anymore. Jesus, I need you. And he saved me, took all the guilt, took all the shame, took everything away from me. And I walked out of my basement bedroom just feeling free. Amazing moment. But I remember when reality set in of like, oh crap, I used to smoke weed for fun. I used to drink a lot for fun. What am I supposed to do now? And the reality set in of like, oh, sin is fun. In a lot of ways, there's a lot of sins that are really fun. They make us feel really good. They make us feel like we're having tons of fun. There's a lot of things that we can do in this world that the world offers us. that it's like, oh, this is great. But then it comes with guilt and shame afterwards. But in the moment, it feels good. I want to challenge us. It might feel good for Moses, his mom, to keep him. You feel like he's the safest when, she, when he is in her presence. But she knows that that's not good. He needs to be in God's hands. And what I want to challenge us to say is you need to let go of whatever is enslaving you and put it in God's hands. Say, God, this has been my source of security. This has been my security blanket. This has made me feel good for a lot of years. I'm afraid to let it go. But Jesus, I, you are more important than this sin is in my life. Jesus, you are my freedom. This sin is not my freedom. We need to put everything that we have in our lives into God's hands. And I love what happens in the story. What happens? Pharaoh's daughter is walking by the river with her servants, and they just happen to notice Moses, who is stuck in the cattails. And out of, is it her random act of kindness that she picks him up, and she keeps him, and she makes sure he's nursed and he grows up? That's not a random act of kindness. What is this? It's God's sovereignty, his control. The reason why Moses' mom builds this basket, tosses them into the Nile River and says, God, it's in your hands, is because she knows she can trust God. God is her father, God is her protector, and God is our protector. Many of us need to realize that whenever we give a situation or give a sin, whatever it is, whenever we give something away to God, it is more safe in God's hands than it is in our hands. God is in control. This story is not just about Moses. This story is about God's goodness, his strength, and his character. That he is worthy of being trusted. He is, he is worthy of being the God God of your life, and of my life. God is good, and God is faithful, and he will protect us no matter what we go through. He is the source of our strength, and so I want to encourage you to let it go. But I also want to encourage us that, like I said, this story is not just about Moses. And oftentimes when we read these Old Testament stories, you know, like David and Goliath, we think of, you know, how cool would it be to be David and to slay that giant? Or how cool would it be to be Noah and to build that boat and to get on the ark? But it's what we have to realize in these stories is that these stories are not just about the people who are in them. These stories are always meant to point us to somebody else. Now for us, as people who are reading the Bible 2,000 years after it was written and compiled together, we have the blessing of knowing the full story. Now, if you're a Jewish person and you don't believe in Jesus, you see Moses and you kind of treat him as he's not like the son of God, but he is a very blessed man because of look what he has done. He has led the Israelites out of slavery. But when we read the story of Moses in this book of Exodus, we're not thinking just of Moses, but as people who already know about Jesus and we believe in Jesus, we see directly how Moses points us to Jesus. Now, what was happening when Moses was born? Pharaoh has this law that every Israelite boy must be thrown into the Nile River. What was happening when Jesus was born? Herod has a law that every Jewish boy that is born must be killed. They're born into the exact same situations. When we read the Exodus story, when we read the birth of, the birth of Moses, we have to understand that it's not just about Moses, it's about Jesus. Jesus. When Moses leads the Israelites out of slavery, which we're going to get to in a few weeks, we have to realize that that is an amazing thing for the freedom of the Israelite people. But what it points us to is our freedom in Jesus. I love what Romans chapter 7 says, Romans seven fifteen, The Apostle Paul says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Isn't that so relatable? I don't understand why I do things. What, the things that I know that are right, I don't do them. But the things that I know that are wrong, I do them. What is Paul saying? We're slaves to sin. Like I said earlier, Egypt is a metaphor for sin. The Israelites are stuck in Egypt, stuck in their sins. Moses is going to be their rondo. He's going to be their guy that saves them at the 11th hour. And us, every single day, even though we are no longer in Egypt, even though we are God's people free from Egypt, we are not free from our sins unless we put our faith in Jesus. I don't know how many times in my life, but every time I read this verse, I think to, to my own personal struggle with sarcasm. <laughs> it's been a struggle for me for a long time because I think I'm hilarious. Um, but people have told me, hey, you tone it down a little bit. You know, I don't know how many times I've had an internal dialogue with myself. Like, don't say a sarcastic comment. Don't say a sarcastic comment. And then somebody cuts me off on the freeway. I'm like, oh, yeah, come on in. Don't use your blinker. You're good. I will welcome you with open arms. Gosh, I hate you. Right? It's, just, it's frustrating. But it's in this moment where Paul's verse of, you know, I don't understand what I do. for I, For what I want to do, I don't do it. Right? I don't want to be sarcastic. But I love it at the same time. But... What I hate, I do. I keep being sarcastic, even though I I should hate it, and I do hate it. It drives me nuts, but I'm, I'm stuck, right? What Paul is describing is this slavery to sin. Every single one of us, we're so stuck in, whether it's we're prideful or we're greedy or we're full of lust, whatever it might be for you today, we are stuck in our sins without Jesus. We have to see the connection between when Moses is born, this is the introduction of the Israelites' freedom. They don't know who Moses is yet, but he is going to be their savior. He is going to be their rondo. He is going to be their guy, their hero that comes in at the 11th hour. But what we have to understand is every time that we feel stuck in our own Egypt, every time that we feel stuck in our own sins, Jesus is the one who saved us. At our 11th hour, Jesus is the one who came into our lives when we realize that we cannot save ourselves and that the sins that we're stuck in continually does not bring us freedom. I hear so many people today and it drives me off the wall and I have my own things. I fall short in my own ways a lot of times too, so I'm not trying to be prideful when I say this, but there are so many people trying to find salvation in things that are not Jesus. And I hear so often today that people are trying to just find their truth or just find themselves or just find what they believe is right. And everybody wants to, you know, make sure that they're living their, their own happiness is a big key today. And so many people searching for this happiness or for their truth or for some sort of freedom. And if, and if it's not in Jesus, we're not going to find it. And it's been driving me crazy lately, but I've, I've seen in my own friends, people who are who are so bent on trying to find their freedom, trying to find their own true happiness, trying to find their own truth in their own words, is how they put it. And they keep mixing religions and mixing ideas together because they're trying to create the perfect situation for themselves. You know, I have a friend recently who told me, yeah, I still love Jesus, but I've been using a lot of crystals because I feel like they give me good energy. I'm like, hold on, what? Right. And the, the same person told me that they found a lot of freedom When they decided to just start meditating and saying these Om's over and over and over and start mixing, they started mixing Hinduism with Buddhism and then Christianity. I'm like, what are you doing? If you believe in Christianity, if you're still keeping Christianity at least a a piece of it in there. You've got to know the truth that when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he's not saying, I am one of the ways. I am one of the truths and I am one of the life. No, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to God. Nobody comes to salvation. Nobody gets out of Egypt unless it's through Jesus. He is the one who died for us on the cross. He is our truth. We cannot search for it in self-help. We cannot search for it in other religions. We cannot find ourselves and find our truth. We're the problem in the first place. We don't need to find ourselves. We need to find Jesus. He is our salvation. He is the one who showed up for us that when he was born, so many people didn't know who he was, but when he wa- walked off to the cross and hell shook and the earthquake happened in the, in the temple, the veil ripped that kept you know, the separation between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the people, man, that is a moment in our history that we have to realize that salvation is real. Salvation happens and salvation is only found in Jesus. And if you need it today, if you need Jesus today, or if you just need to recommit your life today, I beg you, I want you so bad to find the freedom that you're looking for. Every single one of us is searching for freedom. Every single one of us is searching for happiness. Every single one of us is searching for salvation. And I think that looks different than a lot of us think it does, but it definitely is only found in Jesus. And if you're sick of living as a slave to sin today, if you're sick of feeling guilty, feeling shameful, feeling terrible about your past, feeling terrible about maybe what you did this morning, Jesus is a God of grace. Our God is a God of grace. We cannot believe that God is just sitting up on a cloud with a big white beard and he's just mad at us all the time. God is willingly offering us salvation and forgiveness and freedom. And so I want to offer that to you this morning. Whether it's for your first time ever and you've never been a Christian and you want to start that today. Or maybe you've been wandering. And I'll use the the latest specific example, even though we hate talking about it. But I mean, COVID wrecked a lot of us. So many of us lost our heads when it came to politics or angry about who is doing this and who's not doing that. So many of us, we, we got out of the, the rhythm of going to church and then what that meant for us is we got out of the rhythm of spending time with Jesus I and mean, being in church doesn't make you a Christian, but being in church is important where right? it keeps that rhythm in your life. And maybe when you got out of that rhythm, you got out of your rhythm with Jesus, whatever, you might have been going through in the past year and a half, if you need to come back today, not just to church, but to Jesus, then I want to give you that opportunity. Because it's the most important thing that you can ever do in your life. It's the most important decision that you can ever make in your life. So if you want to make that decision say, I want you to bow your head with me. And for all of us, let's bow our heads together. If you want to make that decision today, repeat this prayer after me, and Jesus will save you. God, I admit that I am a sinner. I admit that I need you. Salvation is only found in you. I believe what you did on the cross, Jesus. And I believe you resurrected for my freedom. Jesus, I place my trust and my life in you. Save me from my sins and lead me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, I want to say, man, God loves you so much and he is so proud of you. And we want to know who did. And so if you want to fill out the connection card in the seat pocket in front of you, fill that out with your name and your phone number or email. Put yes at the top and circle it and just drop it in our giving box on the way out. That way we can talk to you. We can say, hey, congratulations. You know, God, God loves you. And we can, we can resource you if you need If you need a daily bread devotional, we can give you one. If you need a Bible, take one on your way out. But we want to make sure that you have what you need to grow in your faith. For the rest of us, I want us to stand. As we close today, I want to read a scripture to you as a blessing and as a commission. Because what we have in Jesus is freedom. And I want you walking out of church today knowing that you are free. That Jesus has saved you and what that means for you today. And so let me read this verse for you as a blessing and as a commission. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus.